You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our associate pastor, Brent Hand, with this week's message. You know, um, our scripture that we're kind of using is Romans 12, 2, and it's do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, we need to change, you know? We need to be different. We, that's what we need to do. If, if you don't need to change, then you don't need Jesus. If you're fine like you are, then, then you don't need Jesus. And so what, what, what are we even doing? We're, we're wasting our time here. Um, but, but some of us admit that there's some places where we fall short. There's some places that we need to work on. There's some things that, that need to be fixed in our lives. And they trouble us. They keep us awake at night. They, they bother us and we want to move into that space. We want to be different and, and not be like we've always been and not conform to that pattern that we always have. And like it says, let me read that again. It says, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And if I were to say, what, what's the main thing? What's the main thing that makes us different? You know, just baseline. What is it? What is it that really changes us when we've, when we've come to accept Christ? And I think that's hope. I think it's hope that no matter what happens, tomorrow can be better. That no matter what happens, that, that things are going to be all right because we're in his hands. Right? Because we've got that hope under there. And that hope, that hope, if, if it's really what we think it is, it's, it's so radically, you know, saved us out of, of who we used to be and where we were headed in life and the direction our lives were headed. If that hope is what, it, what we believe it to be, it should change who we are. And it should change, like, just like this, this scripture says here, if you really look at what it's saying, it says that, you know, at the end of there, it says, then you will be able to test and approve what's God, what God's will is. You'll be able to follow Jesus. You'll be able to, to do a better job of it. How? You'll, you, how will you be able to find that, that, that path that you're supposed to take? When you're transformed. That's, that's what it says up in the, you know, be transformed. How are you transformed? It starts by the renewing of your mind. We need, we need a new way of thinking. We need a new way of thinking. Um, for thousands of years, people believed that the earth was the center of the universe and that all the, the planets and the the, the sun and, the, and the, the stars, they all revolved around the earth, you know? And for, for, for thousands of years, that's what people believed. And all these scientists and, and the thinkers of their, of their times, they would look at the stars and they would try to chart out the way that the planets were going to go and all that kind of thing. And they would look at it and they would build new models and, and things. They would look at it and it would always just be a little bit off. Why? Because they had started with the earth as the center of the universe. And that wasn't how it worked. And so every time they would, they would, they would look at it and they'd say, okay, well, this, this planet, this, this star is going to, and it wouldn't do what they thought. So they said, okay, let's go back to the drawing board. Let's figure it out. And they come up with more charts and more ideas and, and, and lay out more plans about how, how, you know, how to figure out how to fix this. And they could not do it. Why? Because they were starting with the earth as the center, with us as the center of the universe. Are you with me? It's, it's as long as we've got ourselves as the center of the universe as long as we're thinking about ourselves as the center of the universe no matter no matter how many plans or or uh things you change in your life are going to work until you figure out that, that you're not the center 
that there is that there is something more important than you in this universe and that it all revolves around around god um you know that we need some of those things in our life we we uh we need you know to to find ways to more healthy habits and and to find ways to you know not not stress so much and and we may we may look at you know different ways to uh to, you know self-help books or or therapy and all those things are, are good we need those things in our lives but all those things as much as they can help us as long as we've got a, a messed up idea in the middle of it it only gets us so far and we're still going to be left with a hole in the middle that we can't figure out what's missing what's wrong and we need all those things but ultimately we need to remember that god is the center that jesus is the center and so so how do we find this new way of thinking? And I, the first thing is we've got we to change the way we think about ourselves. We've got to change the way we think about ourselves because before we move forward, we've got to be honest about where we're at right now. Right? Right? You ever, like, pulled up Google Maps and, and uh, you know, you want to go somewhere and you put directions and you don't have your GPS on so it can't figure out where you're at? You ever done that before? So you've got you to turn on the GPS so it can figure out where you're at so it can take you to where you're going. Or you're at someone call you and say, hey, how do you get to your house or something? And you say, where are you at? And I don't know. You, you can't help them, right? You can't, you can't help them. How can you tell them how to get to your house when you don't know where they're coming from, right? So before we take steps forward, we've got to be honest about where we're at right now. We've got to be real about it. We gotta, we've got to be honest about where we are. And I believe that's the number one thing. If we can be honest about where we're at, God already knows where we're at. You know, he already sees it. If we can be honest about who we are, and about where, where we're at in our life. If we can do that with God, and we can do that with other people, I think that's the number one thing we can do to begin to, to change, to, be, to begin to see that difference. And, and a lot of that boils down to breaking down some of our pride, right? It boils down to breaking down some of the pride in our life. And you know, it's really hard these days, you know, because everybody's out there on social media. Everybody's got a platform to prop themselves up on and to, to look important and to feel important. And, and it's, it's hard to do. It's hard to break down that pride. And it's hard to admit that you're wrong. It's hard to admit. Any, any time period in history, I'm sure. But it's, it's, it's hard to admit that you're wrong. It's hard to admit that you need other people in your life. It's hard to admit that you ain't got it all figured out. It's hard, it's hard to admit that. But when we begin to admit that and we begin to see ourselves in the right light, and we begin to step into that spot and say, this is, this is really where I am, and this is really who I am. Then we can take the steps forward and get to where we need to be going. But it has to come first with that humility of, of being honest. Because, you know, I think there's, you know, there's this false humility that we put on sometimes. I'm guilty of it. Is, is there's a false humility that we put on, and it's just feeling sorry for ourselves. You know? <laughs> we just, we just want to feel sorry for ourselves. And sometimes we want other people to feel sorry for us. And we don't, that, that kind of humility only goes so far. But when we get, find true humility and we, we say, you know what, I, 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 don't, I, don't know, I don't know that I've ever experienced it, but I've, I've seen it in other people. I've seen it in, in mentors and, and, and leaders, you know, in my life. I've seen it, you know, an example of it is not walking into a room and believing that you've got it all figured out and everyone else is so lucky that you're here, <laughs> you know? Oh, but seeing that, 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 that everybody... Everybody, no matter where they're at, has something to offer. Everybody has something that can, that, that can help you, that you can help them, and that we're in this together. And when, when you begin to see that and not look down your nose, then you can be honest about where you're at and you begin to move forward. Proverbs 11:2 says, 
when pride comes, then comes disgrace. Because you can't, you, if you're pr- proud and you start messing up, you can't admit you were wrong. You can't admit you messed up, so you can't fix the problems, right? But with the humble is wisdom. I mean, the, the wisest people that I've ever met, the wise people in my life that I'm so thankful that God's put my, are the, also some of the most humble people in my life. And I want to model that. I want to see that because I know that's how we get closer to Jesus. Because if we don't accept that we're in need of change, how can we ever change? How can we ever change if we, if we, we don't admit we're in need of change? So I think that's the, the big number one roadblock we come to um, as, we're, as we're following Jesus and trying to be more like him and trying to find that difference is admitting that we need that change and admitting that we ain't got it all together. And we're afraid. We're afraid of letting people think we're, we're weak or that we're not smart or whatever it is. We're afraid of that. And that's got to go away because we've got to be honest with, with ourselves and with other people. And we've got to find the way to do that. So that's the first thing we've got to do is we've got we to think about ourselves in a different way. And we also... We got to stop thinking about what we want, you know, because I don't even think we really know what we want, <laughs> to be honest. Um, you know, the first thing I think about is like a dog. You ever seen a dog chase a car? And you're like, why? Like, what are you going to do? What, what are you going to do with it when you catch it, you know? Um, <laughs> but you know, that's what we do sometimes. Um, and I also think about Paul and his words in, in Romans 7 where he says, you know, the things that I want to do, I don't end up doing. And the things that I do end up doing, I hate. And so I think that's, that's what we do sometimes. So we end up doing things that are like, why did I even do that? Because we're, we're just, we're, like our hearts are so messed up sometimes, you know? Um, when I was 16 years old, first date I ever, like real date, like get in a car and went and picked up the girl. My parents didn't drop me off at the skating rink or anything like that. This was like I went and picked up the girl and you know, bought food and all that kind of stuff. First date I ever went on was this girl that I had absolutely no interest in going on a date with. However, all of my friends wanted to go on a date with her. And I found out she wanted to go on a date with me. And so guess what happened? I wanted to rub it in all my friends' faces. I'm not proud of it. It's funny. But guess how that ended up? We're married with three kids now. <laughs> Just kidding. That's, that's not how that story ends, right? That's not how that story ends, right? That's not how that story ends. Because I found out the only reason she wanted to go out on a date with me was because I was the only one not swooning over her. So she didn't know what she wanted. I didn't know what I wanted. And it was all messed up. And we can laugh because... It was 16, you know, and people do stupid things when they're 16. But you know what? We do a lot of stupid things when we're adults, too. We do a lot of things where we build our lives and we position ourselves in a way with goals in mind that other people have put in place for us. That society and whatever, the ideas and their upbringing or whatever have put in place for us, and we're chasing after things like a dog chasing after a car, having no idea why we're chasing it. We do that. We, we, we have that, 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 that something that is messed up inside of us. We can't even be honest about what we want. And so how do we know what to do? How do we know? Because what I want, it may not even be really what I want. And what, 
if what other people want for me, that may not be right either. Jeremiah 29, 11. Y'all know this one, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. One of the best ways we can be different is to trust in him and trust in that plan. That God has what, what's best for us in mind. Despite, despite whatever it is we're wanting and whatever we're chasing, he has our best, our best in mind. He wants what's best for us. And so, so if, if we trust him enough, if we put our trust in him, we can see that difference. And, and you will never see that difference until you begin to want the things that he wants. Is that what you want today? It's easy to say, yeah, yeah, that's what I want. It's really easy to do that. It's really easy to just say, yeah, that's what I, what I want. But it's a, lot e- it's a lot harder to walk that out in your daily life, to really begin to look at things from his perspective and not to just chase after the things that other people <laughs> would want you to chase after, but to chase after the things that God wants for you. Um, you know, one of the greatest examples of this faith that we're talking about here is, and that difference that we, that we can have in our life is in the life of Abraham. Abraham was a nobody from j- just a regular old guy, and God called him, and he had, to, he had to get on the move. He had to move out of where he used to be from his, from his home and from, from you know, where he'd grown up, and he was an, a, an older man, and God had brought him out of, out of there and take him to a promised land, and he did amazing things in his life. And, and basically, he's, I mean, he's the father of that nation of Israel, and because of that, I mean, we, through that, we get Jesus. Through, I mean, so everybody's here today because of what Abraham did, is st- stepping out on that, that, that faith. And because he chose to not just be like everybody else, but be, decided to be different, not to conform to the pattern around him, but to step out and be different and to follow God no matter what it meant. And uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says this, it says, by faith, this is a lot, but I wanted to read it to you because, I just, man, this, this, is, this is good stuff. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out into a place which he would later receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going, and by faith, faith, he dwelt in the promised land. Now, it didn't have a big sign over it. It was just some land that God promised him. It, was just, it, it didn't look special. He had to trust God and had to live it out there. As he, and by faith, he dwelt in the promised land as in, in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of the same promise. That's his, his, his son and his grandson. And for he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He wasn't looking necessarily for the promised land. He was looking for something bigger than that. He was looking for something that was much bigger than, than just, a, just a place to live here on earth. He was, he was focused on something a little bit, bit bigger. And, uh, you know, God promised him that he would be the father of, of a great nation. But, like I said, he, him and his wife, they were, they were too old to uh, be having kids. But uh, verse 11 says, By faith, Sarah herself also received the ability to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. She trusted God. And therefore, from one man who was as good as dead, sprang so many, a multitude, as the stars of the sky and innumerable as the sand by the seashore. These all died. That's a really happy place to end that, right? These all died 
in faith, not having received the promise. They, had, they hadn't gotten it yet. But having seen them from afar, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. They were different. They weren't like everybody else. And because of that, we're still feeling the effects of what they, they did back then. Those who say such things declare plainly that they are looking for a homeland. Now, they're not looking, he's not talking about the promised land here. He goes on, he says, and certainly if they had been thinking of the country when they came from, they were just looking for a place to belong, they could have gone back home. They might have had the opportunity to return, but they desired a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Because Abraham focused and looked beyond what he saw with his eyes. And because he decided to not be like everyone else, not to conform to the pattern around him, but to step out and trust God wherever he wanted to take him and sell out completely. Because of that, God was able to do miracles. God was able to do something insane. God was able to do something we could not imagine ourselves. And so what are we looking for? What are we looking for? Are we looking to just get by? Are we looking just to, you know, retire one day? Are we looking, what are we looking for? What are, what are our goals in our lives? What, what are the things that we're hoping for? Because Abraham, he was focused on something much bigger than just a piece of property or whatever. He was focused on legacy. He was focused on something that would outlive him. And because of that, he, he could not just, just, you know, fade into the background. He had to stand out. He had to be different. He had to step out on the faith of God. I'm sure everyone told him, this is, what are you doing, Abraham? This is messed up. But he had to do it because he was sold out to what God wanted him to do. So what are we looking for? If we really want to do that, if we really want to live that life, it, like I said, it's really easy to say, yeah, yeah, that's what I want. But it's a whole other thing to really live it out, to be dedicated to it, to commit to it, right? It's a whole other thing that when the impossible thing, ha op the door opens up and you have to do something crazy to step through it, right? It's a whole lot harder to live that way, that when everyone else is saying, hey, let's go this way, you have to go that way, right? That, that's hard. But that's what God's called us to do. That's, that's the life he's called us to live. So, finally, where do we begin? Where do we begin? I think there's two things we have to do. We have to, um, we have to do what we can do, right? And we have to let God do what only he can do. Those are the two things we've got to do. Because we've got to do what we can do and then allow God to do what he, he does, what only, what only he can do. Um, so I think the first thing we have to do is we have to put ourselves, what we have to do is we have to put ourselves where change is possible, right? We have to find a place in our life. We have to position ourselves in a way where change is possible, right? We have to find ways to, because there's some places you can be in your life where change isn't possible, where you're blocked in, where you're, where you're stuck, where you're so surrounded by those patterns of the world around you that you can never break out of it. And so you've got you to find that place. One of the simplest ways is by making sure, you know, praying, reading your Bible, spending time alone with God as regularly as possible, daily, if, if possible, as regularly as you can. It's spending time, because if you're not doing that, you're not putting yourself in a place where God can challenge you, where God can take you to a new place, where, where you can be different, where you can see that difference in your life. You know, you, you've got you've to... Be available when, when opportunities arise around you, when there's people in need around you. You need to be 
available and, and open to stepping out and, and helping and to taking care. Because in those situations where we give, where we serve, where we love people, those are opportunities not just for us to get a little gold star because we did something nice, but it's, it's an opportunity for us to grow, for, for God to challenge us, to humble us a little bit, and to, to see what, where he's taking us. And we need to, to make sure we're surrounded by people that want us to grow, that are helping us grow, that are helping us find, you know, those places where we do need to grow. I don't know if y'all know or not, but I cut my hair off. You know, I had kind of long hair, and I cut it off. And I don't, I'm not used to this short hair yet. I'm not used to it. I don't know what to do with it anymore. I mean, it's only been a couple of years, but still, I had no idea what to do. And so a couple of weeks, a week ago, I fixed my hair on Sunday morning, and I got ready to go, and I, told, I looked at my wife, and I said, Lauren, is my hair? She said, looks great. Looks great, honey. Looks so good. And I got here, and I had the biggest cowlick, like just sticking up straight <laughs> in my head. And so I walked to the coffee shop, and I can't remember who said it. I think it was Anita. Said, said, hey, Brent, check the back of your hair. Check your hair. And I was like, what's going on? Oh, man. I had this like alfalfa deal going on back here that I couldn't see. That's what you need, people. I'm not getting rid of you, Lauren. I'm not getting rid of you yet. Okay? <laughs> But we need people in our lives that are going to be honest with us. We need some people that are going to tell us how things are. And so we've got to build those kind of communities around ourselves, and we've got to find that way. And we want to do a better job of that at 2911. But before I get there, let me talk about video games real quick, okay? It's a left turn. Um, who knows? And if you already know the answer because you saw it playing on the screen before service, don't answer. But if you know, what do you think the highest selling, like the most units sold, of a video game of all time is. What do you think it is? Mario. What else? What else? What do you think? Pokemon? I thought like Call of Duty or something, you know, or Fortnite or Minecraft or something. The answer is Tetris. Tetris. Tetris has sold more games than any other game in the history of games. But why? Because everybody's played Tetris. Everybody's played it. I was talking to Kevin before service. He said, well, I don't know if really I, I played it. I tried, but, you know, everybody's at least picked up because it was available on, on, you know, it's been available on cell phones for so long, even before there were smartphones. You could play Tetris on the old, you know, little button mashing phones, right? And it's been available on every system, right? But the, 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 where it really sold like hotcakes, I don't know, why, why do things sell like hotcakes? Someone explain that to me later. Um, was in the late 80s, early 90s, and I remember I was, like in, I was like in first or second grade, kindergarten, somewhere in there, and me and my dad went and we rented the game from the video store when you used to, sorry kids, uh, we used to go to places and rent movies and video games to take them home, and I always, we always did on the weekend. And me and my dad, I remember we rented Tetris, and we played the heck out of that thing. This looks so boring nowadays with all the graphics. We played the heck out of it that weekend. I remember, we, I remember going to sleep, my little bitty eyes, closed my eyes, and I'd see the little dots falling, you know? It was, a, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Now, the designers of this game, there were tons of people playing this game back then. The designers of this game, they built it where basically it levels, you see it's leveling up. It's on level 10 right now, and it's already going faster than most of us can play the game at. But it, basically, when you get to level 29, the designers made it where it's going so fast that it basically would be impossible for anybody to ever beat it. And so for so long, people like just thought like level 30 wasn't even a thing. Like it wasn't even a thing. But slowly over the years, people began to beat it. 
I didn't know all this. I'm not a te Tetris enthusiast, okay? I came up, several months ago, I came across a video on YouTube uh, discussing it. I, I linked it just in case you wondered and wanted more information. It's linked on the sermon notes on the Connect page. But John Green, he's the guy in the video, he said, and y'all, you may know John Green, he, uh, he was talking about it. And he said, it's so strange because you'd think like all the high scores and stuff would have happened back in the 90s, right? It would have happened when all these people were playing it, when everyone was playing it. But the thing is, is like for, to have an old school Nintendo, who has one of those anymore? Who can even play it? The highest scores are from like just a couple of, like the last year. Why? Because the only people still playing it are the enthusiasts. The only people still playing it are the people that are Tetris nuts, right? And they found communities through gaming conventions. They've come together and they've been able to find uh, tricks to, to beat the game, to get faster and faster at it. And this is what, what uh, John Green said in his video. And it, it's just like, man, that, that's good. That'll preach, John. He, he said this. He said, small groups of deeply passionate people can often be more productive than large groups of casually interested people. We need to find those groups that we belong to. And so we, we have always believed in small groups at 2911. And we are, you know, some people have asked, like, why, why are we not, we not have small groups back yet? We could blame a lot of things. You know, we could blame COVID. We could blame all sorts of things. The real reason is we don't want to just relaunch small groups. We don't want to just put it back out there just like it was before. We want to do something completely different, okay? We want to do something that's, that's, it's a big change. It's a big difference. But it centers around people growing, about people being connected to one another, and about people having these, these groups of people that they grow with. And that it's not just a semester or just a, a, a topic of interest, but it's, it's we're growing together. And so we, we're building that, and we're hoping to launch it in January. And then we want... You, you as the church to pray with us as we begin to do that in a couple of weeks two weeks from today we're going to have a meeting right after church if you want to help lead be there for that okay um if you want to talk about it after church come talk to me but we want to we want to build some communities of, of people we want to build some groups that are dedicated that are not casually interested in being more like jesus but that are passionate about it that are passionate about it because this is where we can grow where we can learn from each other where we can be humble enough to, to reach out to one another and do all these things we've kind of been talking about the whole, this whole message. So we want to do that, okay? So that's the first thing we've got to do is we've got we, we to put ourselves in a place where change is possible. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.